So we had just one more day to the summit and we had a plan to leave that night to go to the summit. But unfortunately, our guides had to go on a rescue mission for a man that was stranded high above us. And unfortunately, the man died. They weren't able to rescue him successfully. Welcome to another episode of Success Through Failure, the show for successful people and for those who want to become successful, the only show that reveals the true nature of success. This is your host, Jim Harshaw Jr., and today I bring you Lucy Westlake. Lucy is the youngest American woman to ever summit Mount Everest, and she summited five of the seven continents' highest peaks. She's the youngest woman to summit all the tallest mountains in all 50 states, including Denali in Alaska, which is 20,000 feet. She's a record-breaking female mountaineer who's just wise beyond her years. And what do I mean beyond her years? She's 19 years old. 19, I've never had anybody, I don't know who the other next youngest person would be on my podcast, but nowhere near the age of 19. I mean, she is just absolutely an incredible. It's, it's fascinating to get inside the mind of somebody like her who is performing at a level that most people who are elite at what she does or have come before her, you know, took many, many more years to get there. And she's doing this at the age of 19 now. And she summited or attempted the biggest mountains in the world. She talks about success. She talks about failure. We talk a lot about her failures and how she manages those mindset wise, how, you know, she's gone through these hard times, these dark periods of like, do I ever want to climb a mountain again to doing things that have never been done before ever. And oh, by the way, Lucy is also a student athlete at USC. She's on the track and field and cross country teams at the University of Southern California. So this is an incredible interview with an incredible human being. If you like the mountaineering stuff, fascinating interview with Chris Warner back in episode 362. Chris Warner, just an incredible world-class mountaineer with some wild, wild stories, not just on the mountain, some of them on the mountain, but also some other ones too there. So check that one out, episode 362. And then Eric Weinmayer. Eric Weinmayer is a mountaineer. He summited Everest. He's also uh, a whitewater kayaker. He whitewater kayaked the Grand Canyon, 277 miles of the Grand Canyon. By the way, he's blind. Episode 96, way back when in episode 96. So those are some other episodes on mountaineering. Give this episode a share. If you like it, if you enjoy it, if you know somebody who, who needs to hear what Lucy is sharing here today, please give it a share. This is episode number 429 of the Success Through Failure podcast. All right, enough talk. Let's get into it. My interview with Lucy Westlake. Lucy, not many young people, let alone girls, find their way into a sport like mountaineering. What led you down this path? You know, I always have just loved the outdoors and been drawn to the adventure that it holds. And mountains were just the ultimate kind of manifestation of that. When I was really young, my family was always has been really adventurous and love to do road trips all around the country and just get out, get outside, give my brother, I have a younger brother and I just opportunities to really like find what we love and our place in the outdoors. So we just kind of happened upon this thing called high pointing, which is climbing to the top of every state in the US. And we just happened upon the first one. And we we're like, wow, this is uh, so awesome. So we started to kind of rack up and start doing some of these high points. And me and my brother were homeschooled. 
I was homeschooled until like sixth grade. So that kind of gave us the opportunity to travel throughout the year, which was really fun. Just go all around the country, hitting these high points. And that's when I really fell in love with mountaineering is doing those. Yeah. So now you're you're out there breaking records and doing things that nobody has ever done before. Many of your climbs have done exactly that. They've broken records, but you say they're really not about breaking records for you. It's about pushing your limits. Like you started when you were really young doing this. Talk to us about that transition from high pointing to, I mean, high pointing the highest mountain on earth, you know, is it about breaking records? Is it about pushing your limits? And, and talk to us about that journey. It's definitely kind of changed. Like my purpose in mountaineering has changed a lot throughout the years. And it, it really continues to change almost with, you know, not with every mountain I do, but it changes a lot. Every mountain teaches me so much. So when I was little, I was just doing it because of that like love for adventure. And I just, you know, love nature and just being outside. And then, and I honestly, when I was little, I had no intention of doing all 50. I was just kind of going along with it. You know, I was like, seven, eight, nine years old, like no future plans. But then eventually when I did Mount Rainier, when I was 11 years old, after that mountain, I was like, I think I could do all 50. And then that's when I kind of was like, well, the youngest girl to do all 50 was 17. And I was 11 at the time. So I was like, I have a lot of time to maybe become the youngest. So that's when I really kind of got that that passion and goal to, to try to break that record. And that was definitely my motivation for a lot of like my high pointing. But then after that, my focus, after breaking that record, it was an amazing experience. It was really cool. But I realized like, you know, record breaking is is not all that's out there, you know, and it's not all about just breaking records. And if it was like, I don't know, I feel like I wouldn't love it as much as I do. So my reasons for climbing have definitely developed recently into more of really wanting to push my limits and not just only going for the summit, but just going to see, you know, what I can do physically and mentally and emotionally, because the mountains test all of those things to your very limits. So that's kind of how that's developed. And I think just maturing and getting older has kind of given me that mindset switch. It's interesting. You see a lot of world-class performers who have that mindset, this mindset of, let's see how well I can do, right? Let's, let's push my limit. And obviously, you know, it, it goes without saying that there's a summit that you want to achieve for the Olympic athlete. There's an Olympic gold medal that they want to win. We know that is, is, is out there, but really it's about maximizing potential and pushing and doing as well as you can possibly do. And it's kind of this dual mindset of this conundrum, but like, but if you can kind of let go of the outcome and, and focus on the process, uh, I see that world-class performers really kind of embrace that mindset. And it sounds like you're doing that already at such a young age and with such a, an amazing career still ahead of you, Lucy. You have this mantra, limits are perceived. What do you mean by that? And how did you come to believe that? I've come to believe that just through personal experience in the mountains when I look back on some of these mountains and kind of just think about all I went through, like days and days of carrying, you know, super heavy packs, like, how did I do that? Like, I look back and I'm like, there's no way I did that. But then in the moment, it's just, it's just one foot in front of the other, just like taking it moment by moment. And looking back, I'm like, wow, like if someone were to tell me, oh, you'd climb Everest to age 18, I'd be like, no way. 
personally, I would put a limit on myself and be like, oh, I don't think I could do that. But then in the moment, I'm like, well, I could do it. I did do it. So I feel like, or I definitely believe your limits are what you tell yourself they are. There, a lot of the times you can do so much more than you think you can do. And that's just like the human way. Like your, your mind will give out before physically you will in almost all cases. So just having that mindset of I'm not going to let my mind limit me. I'm going to just see the best and do as much as I can in this moment is, is kind of how I have accomplished a lot of what I've accomplished. Quick interruption. Hey, if you like what you're hearing, be sure to get the notes, quotes, and links in the action plan from this episode. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. That's jimharshawjr.com slash action to get your free copy of the action plan. Now back to the show. There's putting one foot in front of another when you're on the mountain, but you decided to put yourself in this situation long before that. Like you had to make a logical, conscious decision with a lot of time and planning in front of you to actually, you know, attempt a Denali or, you know, a K2 or an Everest. Describe like the decision making or the process that you go through. I mean, to have the level of confidence to be able to say, Yes, I know nobody has ever done this before. Nobody has ever, you know, high pointed every single high point in the United States before until a certain age. I think I can do it. What makes you think that you could do it? Honestly, it's just belief and saying yes. Like sometimes I'm kind of proud of being a little bit crazy, I think. <laughs> like sometimes you just have to say yes and have no idea if you could actually do it or not. But if the opportunity presents itself, that's one of the another mantra I live by is like say yes to the opportunities that present itself because I mean I'm a really strong Christian and I believe you know that God puts things in your life for a reason so like if you let opportunities pass you up it doesn't matter if you're a Christian or not like that's just a wasted opportunity so I didn't know if I could do Everest I didn't know if I could do Denali but when those opportunities arose well I gotta believe in myself and try at least and you've tried and you've not always succeeded, right? I mean, there's been failures along the way, right? I mean, I think, was it 2017 when you attempted Denali and failed? Talk to us about that experience. Yeah. I mean, going along with like saying yes to everything and like putting yourself in those situations where you don't know if you're going to succeed or not, there's always going to be times where you don't. And that's what happened when I was 13 years old on Denali. I went up, made it to high camp. And it was a situation I had never done a mountain like Denali. And you're 13 years old. You're on Denali. And by the way, for the for the listener, this is the highest point in the United States. It's, it's in Alaska, also known as Mount McKinley. And you're, you're 13 years old. How old was the youngest female to summit Denali before you? I, I think it was around my age for, for the youngest female to summit. But the youngest female, my goal was to become the youngest female to do all 50 state high points. And that the youngest woman to ever do that was 17. So I'm going to break that record by a good amount, the one I was going. Denali is a three-week expedition where you literally fly straight onto the glacier and you don't see green for three weeks. It's literally just the glacier and some rocks and that's about it. And you're carrying, you know, the 40, 50 pound backpack on your back. And then also another like 50 pounds behind you in a sled. They say it's about a hundred pounds in total between your backpack and your sled. And you're all roped up on a team the whole time, you know, connected to other people. It's a super serious mountain. And 
before that, the longest climb I'd done was like four days. I'd never, you know, flown straight onto a glacier. I'd never been in that situation before. I had to carry that much weight. So it was very out of my comfort zone. And when I got on there, I was like, oh my gosh, like <laughs> I might be a little unprepared for this. And you're 13 years old. I mean, was it, did everybody on the expedition look at you like, oh, geez, we got this weak link here. I mean, how did you feel as a 13-year-old girl on this trip, you know, in a male-dominated sport? Yeah, actually, just to get on Denali was such a difficult time. I had to go all the way to Kilimanjaro and climb the tallest mountain, which is in Tanzania and Africa, and climb that, which is 19,000 feet, to prove my body could handle altitude. Because every single guide company we reached out to, to, you know, like say we want to climb Denali, wouldn't let me on, wouldn't take me because I was too young. And then finally, after a lot of convincing, this one guide company said, if you prove that your body can handle altitude, that climb a mountain over 18,000 feet, which is, there's no mountains in the continental US. It's a difficult thing to do. Find a mountain over 18,000. And then also I had to make my own team. So they wouldn't put me on a pre-planned team. I had to reach out and find people that were willing to climb with me. So luckily, we found three other people that were willing to climb with me and my dad. So they knew what they were getting themselves into. But yeah, I definitely felt like it's been hard, you know, being like a young woman in the mountains and like a really young girl at that time. So it's just like you're underestimated a lot. Even when you get on a team, even when you're on the mountain, you know, you're just kind of, you are seen as the weak link for sure. And it takes just so much more effort to prove it. Like you have to you know, I always would like volunteer for jobs that no one wanted to do and try to like work extra hard to really prove myself as an equal member of the team. Cause that was something that's really important to me. One of the things I never want to like be seen as that person that other people have to like compensate for or like pull up the mountain. You know, I want to do it on my own and be an equal member. And that's going to happen to any mountaineer as it is. I mean, there are you know, elite mountaineers who become the weak link for whatever reason, right? Whether it's altitude or injury or, or, or something else, your body just reacts at different times, different ways. So, so that kind of thing is going to happen. But I imagine you have this mindset of like, I just have to do the extra, prove myself. And, and for the listener, I want you to think about this in your own life. Like think about Lucy's mindset, putting yourself out there as a 13 year old girl to do this, this amazing feat. And think about yourself, like whether it's you're feeling some maybe some insecurity around being in a, a certain level in your company or attempting a certain, you know, setting a certain goal that you have in your life, whether it's in your business life or your or hobbies or, or, or whatever else it might be like, like you can do this, like you can you can ha- take this mindset of, of like Lucy talked about of saying yes, even if you have no idea whether or not you can do it, because listen, failure is just part of the journey. I mean, especially in mountaineering. So this was an expedition that that did not succeed. Am I right? Yeah. So we made it all the way up to high camp. Honestly, every day I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do the next day. It was absolutely exhausting. But we ended up, you know, 19 days later, we are at high camp, which is around 17,000 feet. And the top of Denali is 20,300. So we had just one more day to the summit and we had a plan to leave that night to go to the summit. But unfortunately, our guides had to go on a rescue mission for a man that was stranded high above us. And unfortunately, the man died. They weren't able to rescue him successfully. But after that, you know, everyone went down. There was a big storm coming in the day after. So we didn't even, you know, get to attempt to go to the summit, which was really heartbreaking for me because, you know, I'd put so much energy and effort. Like my parents had invested money and time 
was pretty devastating, especially not to be even able to try. You know, it's like one thing if it's in your control, like you're the one who has to turn around. But if it's something like out of your control, it almost makes it a little bit worse. Oh, man, maybe I could have done that, but I, I didn't get to do it. So I definitely went through a bit of a crisis after Denali. Like I wasn't sure if I wanted to mountaineer anymore because, you know, you can give everything you have. And just there's so many uncontrollables in the mountains. You could do everything right and you could still not really reach that summit. So it was a difficult time for me and I didn't know if I wanted to mountaineer anymore. And I took kind of a year to think about it. But then I just, the mountains just started calling me again. You know, like when you really find your purpose, some I don't think anything can really keep you from that. So I just felt like called to the mountains again and just needed to go back. And I finally kind of like got that mindset switch where I'm like, okay, the summit is, you know, amazing. Like ultimately, of course you want to get to the summit, but the goal isn't just the summit. It's to, you know, to push those limits and just to do what you can do, uh, to control the things that you can control and do as much as you can with that. And then, you know, the rest is, is not in your hands and you have to accept that. And so again, for the listener, Think about this in your life. Think about something that you've attempted, that you failed, and it was stolen from you. It was taken from you just by something that you have no control over, whether it's the, you know, in your job, it's the economy or your boss or, or something else in life like that you don't have control over. Lucy's a human being with real feelings, even though she's achieved all these world-class accomplishments and set all these, these records, like real human being experiences failure, experiences it in the same way that you and I do, she got up eventually, got herself back up and went out there and attacked things again. So everything from there on out has been easy and, and success and no failures from there on out. Is that right, Lucy? No, not true. <laughs> definitely not true. And I mean, it definitely depends on the way you define failure as well. Honestly, after Denali, even though there's been mountains that I haven't reached the top of, like K2 this past summer, I didn't reach the top of, of K2, but... And just, sorry, for reference, real quick to interrupt, like for the listener, K2 is the second highest mountain in the world. It's widely considered the hardest mountain in the world to summit. So this is the hardest mountain in the world to summit. You attempted it. And can you talk to us a little bit about that expedition? Yeah, so I was on the mountain for about 40 days. And for most of those days, I was just sitting at base camp because the weather was absolutely horrible. It was a really difficult climbing season for K2. I made it up to base camp, you know, it was like an eight day trek up to base camp. And then basically to climb these mountains, you have to wait for this team of that sets the fixed ropes up to the summit. So that's, you know, safe enough for you to climb up those ropes. And that didn't happen because of the weather till the very, very end of the climbing season. So everyone that was on the mountain was like going for the summit at the same time. And it was just some pretty awful conditions. There was, I mean, we were right behind the fixed rope team and they thought like every day they're like, we might not, we might have to turn around. And then if they turn around, like your expedition's over, you can't, you can't continue. So every day it was like, we didn't know if we were going to be able to continue or not. The expedition was over, but by the end on summit day, they went up and were able to make it to the summit. But unfortunately, because there were so many people up there at that time and the snow conditions were really dangerous because there was a lot of snow, which means that there's a lot of avalanche danger. So unfortunately, someone died on, on the way up. There's a big kind of scandal around it. Lots of controversy in the mountaineering world around this man's death. 
because so many people walked over him on their way to the summit while he was still alive. It was a very complicated situation. So on summit day, I was going up and because of all the people ahead of me, I was in a, a pretty big avalanche, which was definitely, you know, very scary. Uh, luckily, it wasn't big enough to bury me completely. I was only buried up to like mid thigh. Wow. So an avalanche hit you like you did you get tumbled or did tell I mean, tell us about that moment. Yeah, it was really scary. There's a lot of different types of avalanches. So like some of the main concerns is there's like ice chunks in the avalanche. Luckily, this one was just like a powder avalanche and not super like thick, heavy powder that can bury you. It was, you know, we were really lucky that it wasn't bigger. And luckily, I didn't tumble or anything. Like we saw it coming down just this huge white cloud. Um, And we like ducked, covered our necks and heads as best we could. And then when we realized there's no ice chunks, you start to try to swim to like stay on the surface because like if it tries to bury you. But luckily it wasn't big enough. We never actually had to swim or tumbled or anything. We were just buried up to like mid thigh, but dug ourselves out. And but after that, we decided, you know, once there's one avalanche, it's pretty easy to have more avalanches, especially in those conditions. So we decided to turn around that it wasn't safe enough for us. Wow. Wow. So Lucy, we've heard about some of your failures and there's, there's a lot of, you know, uncertainty in the mountains. Um, this is not something where there's uncertainty, like for most of us going about our jobs where the uncertainty might be, maybe we don't get the deal or we don't get the promotion. I mean, this is life and death on the line here, but can you tell us about summiting, summiting Everest? You became the youngest female to summit Everest. Yeah, there's so many highs and lows in the mountains. And that was definitely one of the big highs. That was just the the whole expedition went so smoothly. The weather was great. My body felt great, reacted to the altitude really well. Um, I never used oxygen before that. So that was definitely um, something that was new, but I handled that well as well. And yeah, I, I mean, we got up, it was a total of 27 days that we were on the mountain, me and my Sherpa, and we made it to the summit. It was absolutely beautiful summit day. And yeah, it was everything just went so smoothly. And it was probably the most beautiful climb I've ever done. And definitely just the most significant. I mean, getting to the top of the world, it's a feeling like no other. It was amazing. (laughs) I don't even like have the words to describe it. Yeah. For the listener, we'll have a link to Lucy's Instagram and the action plan. But on her Instagram, there's a she has a little selfie video of her when she summited Everest on the top of the world. It's just It'll give you chills to watch it. It's just fascinating. Lucy, you know, you have to go through so many of these hard times and the failures and face the uncertainty to have this great experience, like to have this, you know, relatively easy summit day and clear and the weather was great and everything was perfect. Um, But you have to go through so many of those failures to get there. And it's the same for you. The listener is to understand that you're going to go through a lot of failures to get the breaks, to have things actually go your way and to, you know, to put all the training and the preparation, et cetera. Do you have any strategies or, or how do you approach the pain and suffering that goes into something like mountaineering? I mean, you talk about the eight day track. I mean, an eight day track just to get the base camp, right? You're, you're talking about 40, 40 days waiting on K2. You talk about, I mean, we didn't really talk about the journey up Everest step by step. You know, you've got threat of avalanches. I mean, are there mindset strategies here that that you've learned or that you use or frameworks that you approach things like when you feel like, like you said at one point, I didn't know if I could make it the next day. Like, how do you, how do you deal with that? How do you manage that? How do you, do do you have, do you have self-talk that you do or mindset strategies? 
There's definitely self-talk for sure. I mean, when you're on these mountains, you're pretty in a lot of solitude because, I mean, sometimes you're roped up and the next person is, you know, 10 to 20 feet away from you. Or sometimes it's just because, you know, you don't have the breath to even talk. You have lots of layers on. It's hard to hear. Usually the wind, the elements keep that. So it's you're in your mind all the time, sitting in your tent, climbing up the mountain. You're always in your mind. So your mindset is key. I always say like mountaineering is 90% just mental. And you just have to tell yourself that you can do it. Like I'm such a like the definition of an optimist for, for sure. And that's helped me so much. Like just, you know, always saying like, you know, I can do this, I can do this. And, you know, not thinking about, you know, if you can do it the next day, thinking about, you know, I can do this next step, breaking it into those small little steps is very, very helpful. And then you know, when you're sitting at base camp, that's one of the most difficult times for me because I'm used to just go, go, go with my life, especially like being in college, being a student athlete, you know, that's just always going. And then, you know, on all my vacations, I'm usually trying to climb a mountain or two, you know, so it's, it's very, it's a busy life, but I'm trying to be thankful for wherever I am. Like when I'm sitting on the mountain, I'm like, you know, I'm going to be wishing that I had all this free time a month from now. So I just try to be thankful and see the good in, in wherever I am. And sometimes the good is the pain, you know, it's, you know, that's one of the big reasons I climb is to push myself and for that, that pain, because I mean, the mountains, you'll experience pain like, <laughs> like nowhere else, you know, that's the place to be if you're, if you want to push yourself and experience that. And I just, every time I try to handle it a little bit better, that's really my goal in it. And for the listener, that may or may not be your default mindset. I mean, certainly Lucy is an optimist. And if your default is negative self-talk, you have to override it. You have to actually have words and mantras and things that you can say to yourself in those moments. And you, you actually have to be aware in those moments. Like if you're not aware, yes, your mind is going to drift to the negatives, all the things that are going wrong, have gone wrong, could go wrong how tired you are, how much this is, how you know, painful this is, you have to override, you have to consciously make the effort to override this. It doesn't always just happen. So considering all of the, the training, all of the planning, all of the you know, investment that goes into an expedition, your why has grown over the years. You know, it's not just about high pointing and checking off summits. You know, you talked about how it's about pushing yourself and there's even more behind this now, right? You're, you're on a mission to inspire the next generation to fight for gender equity. You're, you're fighting for clean water. There are bigger things driving you now behind this. Is that right? Yeah, that's become a big part of my purpose, especially in recent years before and since Everest. And kind of growing up, I definitely realized, you know, the the gender gap in the mountains. I realized that more and more. And recently, it's changing a lot, which is really a positive thing to see. But it's still something that there is a big gap. So just fighting for that through my climbing. What I think is that it's much easier to, you know, pursue a path like mountaineering when you see that other women and people like you or whoever is like you have done it before, you know, it's a lot easier once that path is set. So that's, you know, what I'm trying to do with my mountaineering is set the path for young women, especially young women, because there's definitely more women in the mountains now, but I still haven't met really any, I haven't met anyone on these big mountains that's my age 
and also a girl doing this. So it would just be amazing to be able to see, you know, the next generation and my generation too, just be able to be in the high mountains. And there's a lot of barriers to it for sure, you know, money and just not having the right path. But I believe that 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 could happen. And I hopefully I, I hope my story, you know, not only inspires other people to pursue that, but um, but also kind of, you know, breaks those barriers and like stereotypes of, oh, you have to be like some big, strong man to be able to climb because because you don't. Yeah. And tell us about your your mission to provide clean water. I've been passionate about the water crisis from a really young age. I've had a pen pal that lives in Uganda since I was four years old. I actually have got in touch with her when I was two, but it was just our parents riding back and forth then. We're so young. But I became really good friends with this girl and her family didn't have access to clean water. So when I was 10, I, I kind of learned about this whole crisis, which was really eye-opening, especially at that age, because, you know, as a 10-year-old living in the U.S., I thought everyone had like a sink and faucet and water just at their fingertips like we do. But learning that they don't was just really distressing. I was scared for her and her family. And then ever since then, I have been involved with this nonprofit organization called WaterStep that makes fluoration devices that can clean water in any place that, that doesn't have safe water. So I've been able to go to fundraise through my mountaineering and go and just use that platform. And I've been able to go to Uganda twice now, Kenya also twice and be able to do some water projects over there, like a fish pond, putting in water step chlorinators, providing bleach makers, just working on that water and sanitation, which is so pivotal over there. So it's been amazing. And I started a brand around my mountaineering and around the water cause. And it's just, it's so cool to see how that has grown and really impacted a lot of people's lives. So hoping to continue to expand that for sure. Lucy, how old are you again? I'm 19. 19. Inspiring. Everything that you're doing, that you've done, the mission that you have, like the the bigger vision that you have is absolutely incredible for for anybody, let alone a 19-year-old. So kudos to you. It's absolutely fascinating getting inside of your head for a little bit and, and, and learning from you. For the listener that wants to take action on in their own life, any action items that you can recommend? Maybe they have big goals or big dreams, but they put them on a shelf or maybe they have fear or uncertainty about, about chasing something. I mean, what, what action items can you recommend they could take in the next, say, just 24 to 48 hours? I'd say the first thing, definitely start with mindset. Like you were saying, that mindset is key. And honestly, since Denali, like even on K2, I haven't seen not reaching the summit as a failure at all because in that moment, I was when that moment I had to turn around, I was not sad. I was happy because I had knew I had pushed myself so much. I was so proud of the work I put in. It was an absolutely beautiful scene just all around with the sun rising. Like I had accomplished everything that I mean, not everything. The summit was definitely, you know, part of the goal. But like in that moment, I was just so proud of myself. And when you can take that mindset where it's like, this is my goal. But if I do all these things to get to it, if I do everything I can do, I'm going to be happy no matter what the outcomes, like I'm going to be proud of myself, that it just eliminates that fear of the unknown. And that's something that 
has helped me in running as well. Like going into races, I used to get very bad anxiety before races, but just being like, you know, I'm just going to do everything I can do. And, you know, the outcome, that's not something I can control is the ultimate outcome. So I think having that mindset, just working on that, and it's something you can consciously start working on, but it does take a while to actually get. But trying to like make that flip and start thinking like that, I'd say that's first. And then I'm a very like, I don't know, I like to write things down. Like if I just think of things, it'll be gone the next day for me. So I think physically like writing down your top goals, your priorities, because there's only so much time in a day, you know? So writing down those top priorities that you have right now, and then the failures that you're scared will happen with those. And then how you overcome those are key. Just yeah, thinking about that failure aspect, though, because there will definitely be failures. And just knowing how you're going to overcome those even beforehand would be a great thing. I try to do that before I go into mountains. So yeah. Incredible. Lucy, where can people find you, follow you, etc.? I'm most active on my Instagram. So what's next, Lucy, is my Instagram that I use a lot. Uh, I also have a TikTok, which I'm not as active on, but it's also called What's Next Lucy. And I have a website also that, you know, lists all my social medias. I also have an Etsy shop, which I'm going to be like rebranding, redesigning soon. So there's going to be some new sweatshirt designs out there and and t-shirts and different items like that. So um, lucyclimbs.com is my website if you want to learn more about my story or find me on any social medias. Excellent. Excellent. Thank you so much, Lucy, for making time to come on the show and sharing your story. Of course. Thank you. Thanks for listening. If you want to apply these principles into your life, let's talk. You can see the limited spaces that are open on my calendar at jimharshawjr.com slash apply, where you can sign up for a free one-time coaching call directly with me. And don't forget to grab your action plan. Just go to jimharshawjr.com slash action. And lastly, iTunes tends to suggest podcasts with more ratings and reviews more often. You would totally make my day if you give me a rating and review. Those go a long way in helping me grow the podcast audience. Just open up your podcast app if you have an iPhone, do a search for success through failure, select it, and then scroll the whole way to the bottom where you can leave the podcast a rating and a review. Now, I hope this isn't just another podcast episode for you. I hope you take action on what you learned here today. Good luck and thanks for listening.